Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Wow, 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 wow. We're here. We're here live on YouTube. It's working. It's working. Technology. Wow. Um, I'm delighted to be back here, you fruity, fruity pastels. Uh, this is Cop On Podcast, back after 10 days in which, uh, you know, a fair amount has happened. But uh, before we get into the episode i want to say a very very special thank you to gina who's our late latest supporter on patreon thank you so much if anyone what does want to support us on on patreon.com forward slash cop on podcast then it really is such a it's it's it, it's a lovely feeling that your 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 work your efforts are um appreciated out there even by by anybody and if you want to chuck us as little as one euro per month on patreon then please do um it's a lovely feeling so thank you very very much gina i do hope you're well um and today's episode i mean it's been 10 days we've we've had the arsenal match we've had the burnley match we've had all kinds of illnesses and injuries and all kinds of things going on we've got tons to talk about our only enemy Apart from Pep and those cheats, is time because we don't have all that much time to talk about all the things that I would like to talk about. But let's uh, let's get into the Arsenal match. Um, I just wrote, you know, my feelings about the Arsenal match, and for me, it's like when you're minding your own business, licking an ice cream on a sunny day, and it's a very nice ice cream, but a passing bully walks past and pushes your elbow, thus pushing the ice cream into your face. That bully isn't even very tough, you can see, but they caught you completely by surprise, by surprise, and now you have to watch them delight in some kind of weird and personal triumph, which is entirely unjustified from your point of view. So the bully is looking back at you and is laughing their silly face and you know that on most days you could probably kick the living excrement out of that wiry fool but the shock of having ice cream on your face leaves you dumbstruck the words are stuck in your throat and your limbs are somewhat frozen but anyway you suddenly you see that karma does indeed exist as this bully is not looking where he's going he's too busy looking back at you and laughing and he doesn't realize that he's about to walk straight into a lamppost and smash his smarmy little face against it. And then his little mind is going to melt and he's going to break down and cry. And for days afterwards, when a lump swells and purples on his silly little head, he will feel a deep sense of shame, partly because of the pain of having walked into a lamppost and partly from the shame of knowing deep down that he deserves nothing better. Because if you're going to push ice cream in people's faces and then laugh about it and revel in it, then you're an absolute twat. Welcome to Cop On Podcast. Uh, Doug is here. Doug from the Dugout Football Channel. Welcome back, Doug. It's been way too long. You are also newly into fatherhood. How's all that going first? Is everything good? Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to be back on. Uh, it has been a while. I think the last time I was on was... Uh, very, very briefly when I'm um, discussing about Jurgen Klopp. Uh, so that was the last time I was on. But yeah, fatherhood is going really, really well. Um, I could not uh, 
I could not wish for a, a more brilliant, brilliant part of life now, being a father. Um, honestly, I wouldn't change anything for the world. Uh, Beautiful. Little Nathan. Um, I bet you're the same, obviously, Ruben as well. Oh, yes, it's a marvellous thing. We can talk about it um, all, all evening, all evening. But as I said before, time is our enemy. So let's stick <laughs> to the thing that people are tuning in for, that that's the footy. And, um, you know, the Arsenal match was a bit rubbish. Um, I thought, you know, but, 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 but my question to you, Doug, is, you know, that obviously the lamppost that the bully is about to walk into is Arsenal's, you know, the fact that they're not going to win the league are they we all we always come towards march april and may and also just implode they completely implode we saw last season what what had happened um you know they, they drew 2-2 with us they they had a, a very weird game against southampton where they were 3-1 down and managed to call that back to to 3-3 to i think the arsenal implosion is coming um, but I don't think it's going to sort of be happening um, towards the nearer there. I mean, they've got Manchester City next month um, as well. So I do think the Arsenal implosion is coming um, very, very quickly. Um, I think, look, they deserve their win um, against us. We, we were very, very poor. Uh, I think it's safe to say that. But uh, yeah, I think Arsenal fans have... Uh, Celebrated a little bit too prematurely by by the by some of the uh, fans I've seen on uh, social media um, saying that they're going to overtake us. Well, you have to be top to overtake us uh, at this moment in time. So yeah, look, I think look, Arsenal did deserve to to win against against us last week, and you know the very impressive six 0 win against West Ham yesterday. But I do think that somewhere along along the lines that their implosion is coming. I am in full agreement. Um, I do think they've strengthened from last year, though, so they might not implode as much, uh, but they're very, very, very reliant still on Saliba and and, and Rice now to, to not get injured. Um, yes, exactly. Um, Nigel, um, wonderful to have you back with us. And uh, thanks as well to Gary and Panofskaus, who are in the chat as well. But Nigel, how's it going? How are you feeling about Liverpool? Are you, are, you know, with with Man City, those cheats, they're looking, you know, it's, it's looking quite ominous and boring. How how they're how they're sort of, you know, scooting up our rear, uh, you know, in the rear wing mirror, and and you know what what we want to do is let off some kind of smoke bomb so that they go skidding off on their oily slick tires and and go into the bushes somewhere but uh i don't know how are you feeling nigel well there's only one thing i can say to a lot of people uh, look up who's top of the table <laughs> um we might not be as clear as we were but remember when Spurs won the league back in october and arsenal have won the league since uh hoist by their own petard fc there um <laughs> bit of hamlet there for everybody bit of culture um, but um, no, uh, I, I listen. We had a really bad day. Um, I said last week to a few people that I thought that Arsenal performance last week was possibly in the top three of poor performances under Jurgen Klopp. We were really, really, really bad, and yet we were level at half time and we handed them a second goal. 
That um, was the key there, wasn't it, Nigel? Because yeah, there were we, we normally improve, but yeah. then suddenly it's like I don't know, maybe it's that's what developed into the flu uh that hit the camp, uh, because it was like, you know, the brain there was definite brain fog going on, so mm. unlike them. Both Alison and Virgil were to blame, I would say both of them. Yeah. Um uh and you know, a right royal screw up, as they yeah. say. Yeah, um don't want to happen. That will happen, but we didn't react well to it. No, we did not. And that was we the did most not, but at least like we weren't especially good on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I saw the whole game. We weren't especially good, but we won. That's it. You know what I mean? It's it, that's the main thing. I mean, Arsenal are going out of the way to West Ham and winning six 0 and stuff like that. It, 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 I don't think they'll be able to continue going like that. You know. Um, the big thing for me is that I'm not worried about Arsenal anymore. I'm, not, I'm just not worried about them. They can keep going on and talking about themselves and elaborately over-celebrating. Like, Arteta is, like, I, I, I don't want to go too far into some of this stuff now, but do you remember that, that human caterpillar film that was doing, doing the rounds? There was a. Oh, I, I, I'm gutted. I've missed it. What? <laughs> no, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. This, oh, this guy was. This guy was capturing people, and he was sewing, sewing people together. Hang on. And they were all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was mad. You don't. You don't really want to see it. But anyway, by the way, it was a bit like that. It was a bit like Arteta. What I'm where I'm going with that is Arteta uh, was was joined at the hip, or slightly closer to a different orifice. Uh, that, that, that he's become like Pep, you know, the celebration thing that goes on. That's that's what I'm getting at. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, okay. yes I see. I, I see. I think I see. Yes, so, you do. Yes. Okay. So, so, yeah, so Pep and, uh, yeah, Arteta is just like mimicking Pep basically all the well, time. They're, yeah. they're, trying to, they're trying to take a leaf out of Klopp's book and trying to get crowds going and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, our crowd, our crowd doesn't need that. It's natural. It, like, People would celebrate. We all celebrate goals. We celebrate wins. But that was just completely overblown and corny. And it didn't look... I switched it, looked, it, it off. It nearly looked rehearsed. I'm so glad. I switched it off right at the final whistle. I missed all of their reactions and things. Well, and I was just I missed like, it all I was, as well because I was working and I was driving home. Okay. So I didn't see any of it. But you saw some on social media afterwards or something, oh, yeah. some saw, photos and all that? People saying overreacting. Yeah. I saw a couple of things yesterday. Oh, gosh. And uh, just, I, I just, no, 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 just, it, it's, it's reaction for reaction's sake with a lot of that right. rather than a natural reaction. And uh, at the end, well, when Klopp does his fist pump, fist pumps, it's just, uh, what, do you remember when, we, when he went out against, against West Brom in the two-all draw? And went out with the crowd and waved like of that. With that. I yes. had people giving out about that to me when when it happened, and I said to them, "Look, that's they do it all the time in Germany." Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's a natural yeah. reaction to the crowd. He he said he wants the crowd to stay. He wants the crowd to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's what we want. That's what he wants. He wants yeah. to say thank you to the crowd for staying with us mm-hmm. and, and being with us all the time, not chasing up and down. Now I remember him chasing up and down the line when I think. Was it Coutinho or was it Benteke when he scored against Chelsea? We beat Chelsea 3-1. And he kind of, it was a second or third game. Maybe we, it was his first win. That's what it was. It was his first win against Chelsea. Against I think Chelsea. Coutinho, 
Coutinho scored twice, I think, and Benteke scored once. We won 3 1. Uh-huh. And he went up and down the sideline, jumping and fist pumping uh-huh. uh, after the third goal, I think it was. And um, but that that's like you know, teams celebrate. I don't mind people celebrating, but 100 meter sprints down the sideline, it, it like it smacks of um, do you remember Mourinho when when Gerard slipped that time and he was down the sideline and thumping his chest in this crack with oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's that it's yeah. that it's just it's uh, it's one upmanship yeah because there's a difference isn't there i mean with jürgen he lives it he lives it and of course he's very partisan he's like a fan on the touchline that's why he's aged so much you know in the last eight and a half years he really has um i think i mean of course there's a there's a there's a something quite natural uh, that goes on between your 40s and your 50s anyway. But, um, you know, it's it, it, it his passion that comes through, that you either see it or you don't. And some people are too dumb to see it, like Joey Barton, for example, who just called him a cheerleader. But there's a difference between passion and supporting your team and going crazy because you scored a brilliant goal and like taking the mickey and feeling like um you know oh i've beaten the other team and let's rub it in their faces like Mourinho and and arteta do and and pep as well when he's like shaking hands with arthur Mello or whatever it was ostas uh the other the other year but like yeah but talking of club i mean talking of club and going back to um the game against burnley doug i want i want to just go go through the the, the context because I, I I listen to tons of podcasts and I watch a load of YouTube things whenever I get the chance and I don't think it, enough people have mentioned the brilliance of Jurgen against Burnley because we were playing very badly we had illness ravaging through the squad t- bringing people out we we had tons of injuries. Um, and in the context, Man City had just gone ahead of us, having beaten Everton. Surprise, surprise. And we had, this is our, our injury list for, for before the Burnley game, right? We had Soboslai, Salah, Konate, Thiago, Bajetic, Bradley, Alisson, uh, and Gomez. He played Trent, but Trent was injured, even though, uh, or sick. Mm. He was more sick than injured, he seemed, or both. And that's why he took him off at half time. Robbo was just coming back his first start for four months. Um, you know, to come through that match with a 3-1 victory, to be top of the table when if you look on premierinjuries.co.uk or whatever it's called, it just it just lists the number of injuries each each team has. Liverpool have 10 at the moment. Manchester City have zero. And we're still ahead of them in the table, Doug. And I think Jurgen. Yeah. There's all kinds of emotions that we're all going through. The fact that he's leaving is gutting. But this could be his finest hour yet. It could well be. Um, I think that win against Burnley was absolutely massive because we did not play very well that at all. Um, I think there was a period in the first half where I think Burnley probably were the better team, you have to say. Um, You know, they had their chances. uh, You know, they had their chances in the second half. But... One player I do want to mention, and you know, he has been sort of missing because obviously Asian Cup. 
I thought Endo was magnificent yet again, and he is really slotted into um, into Jurgen Klopp's team. You know, we we thought we thought when uh, we thought when you know McAllister were not being a, a, a out and out sort of number six was going to sort of derail us. He's been he's been fabulous as uh, as well. But I think having Endo there, you've got that st- defensive stability in in there. Um, and yes, he might he might have got a, a yellow card, but you know he he gets into tackles, he he breaks up play. He's a really really good player. Uh, obviously, it was his birthday on um, uh, at the weekend as well. So you know what, Happy Endo birthday. has been really really good um, since he came into since he's came into the into the team, and it's a it's a sentiment uh, as well. You know, I think that the one thing that's really really impressed me this season. The fringe players have really stepped up. You know, Gomez has stepped up. Kwanzaa has stepped up. Um, you know, I would also say as well, Curtis Jones has stepped up. Harvey Elliott has, has stepped up. I think as as well, when you look at the team as a whole, they're they're together. They're together. I, I I've seen people say, oh, Liverpool gonna are gonna implode because you know Klopp's announced he's he's leaving the players. But like I, I honestly do not read stuff on social media but I, i've seen people say that liverpool looked half arsed against burnley which i didn't think was very very true to say the very totally very so, oh yeah absolutely so no i think i think the way that jürgen klopp has done this team so far this season i think his subs have been spot on at, at times i think harvey elliott coming from the bench has been absolutely magnificent very very vital um as well to be top at this stage in the season, and yes, I know Manchester City got get their game in hand against Brentford, and then we've obviously got our game against Luton uh, the, the the following day after. But if we are there or thereabouts top by the time we play City, we get that win against City. That is going to be absolutely massive, and I think the only hardest away game out of that lot before the end of the season, I think, is Manchester United away. Um, so we're in a really, really good, strong position. We've just got to keep going. We've just got to keep going. Don't focus on what Arsenal or City are doing. Just focus on ourselves, and we'll see what happens. Um, absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I, I did have a look at the home and away uh, fixtures left in the running for Liverpool, Man City, and Arsenal, just for a giraffe. And the... Um, Man City, it does look easier than us. It does look easier than on paper. But mm. this season, it you know, anything can happen. This team, anything can happen. They've, they've come through such adversity. And like I was saying before, you know, 10 injuries compared to zero. Take 10 players out of Manchester City's starting 11. Or maybe, maybe not all of our injuries are, are guaranteed starters. But let's say, for example, five of them. Right, including the best player, Mo Salah, or one of the best players. So you take out Holland or De Bruyne, which it has already happened and everyone's talking about it, but plus four more from their mm. starting eleven and see how they do. Their Rodri, take are, out Rodri. Take out yeah, Rodri as that, well. That's I mean, what that's I was gonna say. The key, Rodri yes, is the most exactly, important yeah. player to Manchester City's team. Well, if he results, doesn't play, yeah. City City implodes, I think. And the, the thing is as well. I don't mm-hmm. think Manchester City are as defensive, strong, strongly minded this season than they were last season. Uh, there's been a few cracks. Uh, you, you know, but teams can get at City. Teams can get at City. Everton should have scored at least two 
at the weekend. City are definitely not as defensive minded as they as they were last season, and they have badly missed Kevin De Bruyne. And I totally get what what City fans were, were were saying the other day about about De Bruyne. We've got to handle his minutes very very carefully because otherwise he'll he'll aggravate uh, another injury. And I think as well, De Bruyne is at an age now where his hamstrings are just going to go. Um, it, it was it was the same as last season, like with with with, with, with Harry Kane. We all know that Harry Kane had um, hamstrings for spaghetti. Well, it feels like the same with uh, De Bruyne. I don't think De Bruyne can play two, three, four, five games in a row now, and I think City are just handling their 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 mess. And I have to say as well, City's bench is not as strong as our bench. It's not at all. It's not at all. But that's the thing. They're, they're reliant on injuries. And maybe he's, he's brought back the uh, Dr. You know Robert Sanchez or whatever his name was back from Barcelona who used to supply the special drinks after games. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, around about the time when Pep got done for Nandrolone and uh, the, there were other, you know, potential problems with, uh, with that. And uh, indeed, uh, you know, we, we won't get into that. Um, although... Anecdotally, slightly on a tangent, uh, a friend of mine worked at uh, Paris Saint-Germain and after the match, uh, he was in the dressing room when everyone had gone home, when after uh, PSG had played Real Madrid uh, and he was just cleaning up in there and he found a bottle of Marcelo, uh, his post-match drink that was unopened and he brought it back to his place and I went to his place afterwards to have a game of FIFA and... I, um, I was really wondering whether I should take this bottle and send it away for laboratory analysis to see what the hell was in it, because that would have been very interesting. But in the end, I was thirsty and I drank it and it was fine. I wasn't up for three days or anything like that. But anyway, um, I'm sure everything's fine. Uh, Nigel, um, Doug mentioned some wonderful things there, but I want to bring him back to uh, Wataru Endo. Okay, I don't speak Japanese, but I'm going to try and say this. Hang on. Otanjobo medeto, which means happy birthday to Wataru Endo. 31 years old now, Nigel. Um, and for me, he's um, he's a, a, a beacon of light, you know, on the dark seas. He's a lighthouse that brings brings your ship home. He's exactly what we need. I love the guy. I love the way he's sort of, he's always, he's permanently steely. He's got that permanent, like, aggressive, like, I'm going to beat you up kind of face. And I love it because he's he's so wonderfully uh, intelligent with the ball. He's always play, looking to play forward. And Doug rightly mentioned him uh, in the Burnley game. He, he grew into his absolutely wonderful performance. 88.2% passing accuracy. Two key passes from number six position, which is very good. Compare that to McAllister, for example, who had zero key passes. Two key passes for Wataru Endo. One shot, 84 touches of the ball, two headers won. Uh, defensively, four tackles, which is the equal most in the team. Uh, one clearance and one blocked shot. And he committed four fouls as well, four necessary fouls. And 
I love the guy. His impact is huge. And having him back slightly early so he could play that game was just, it was, it was uh, Christmas again, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just, uh, he, uh, there was a slight kind of, I, I was listening to, I sent you the link earlier on. Um, the Red Poets podcast is very good. Uh, got a great listen. Um, Shout out to those to guys. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, how, how do you listen to it? You just have to look up LFC Poets, right? Is it? Yeah. Red Poets. Red Poets. Okay. Red Poets. LFC Red Poets, I think is what LFC it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Check it out, people. It's really good. Les Lawson and the lads. Great stuff it is. Um, but anyway, they were saying that um, there's a slight difference between uh, in the first half and in the second half when Endo got a slight bit more space, when McAllister was given him a slight more space, there was a, slight, a small change in formation when when uh, when Trent went off and when Harvey came on and Curtis going to right back where he did very, very well. Um, there was a slight formation change and it gave Endo a little bit more time or a little bit more space to kind of, kind of create and he did really well in the second half. Um, he's been... For for sixteen million, uh, you know people people are still writing them off, but he's been he's been really really good for us. So I, just as good as Caicedo, or or, well, or 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 and much better than Lavia, who hasn't even featured. I mean, this has been better than Caicedo. It's a bean. Well, I can't see because it because it, it, uh, yeah, I know. Is it a can of baked beans? What is it? Yeah. No, Sorry. it's a bean. It's a bean. Okay, it's a bean. I mean, I about as much up a bin saying this is better. It, okay, it's been as much as much, as much use uh, as as Caicedo has been. And my God, he's been terrible. He was awful. Look inside the bin; he might be there. Okay, yeah, well, no, he's he's in he's in uh, McAllister's pocket still. I think um, oh, yes. he's been he's been, you know he's like Endo has been really 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 good. Like for for a guy we uh, just that hasn't been. Everyone was giving out. Oh, why didn't we spend 115 million? Like I said, we should have stepped, stayed going. Well, it turns out now. Well, at least Caicedo was, was on the field. I'm not sure he did too much, but Lavia probably did as much, and he hasn't done anything. He's he hasn't been on the pitch at all. He keeps getting injured, but yeah, we've got our um, our red samurai there. Our, our Wataru Endo. Um, he's been amazing for us. Yeah, really, really delighted with him. Absolutely. Gary Richards in the chat, he says, Origato and all, which means thank you. I'm sure you know that, cultured uh, listeners that you are. And Pan of Scouse uh, starts singing a song, but I don't know the song, so I can't sing it. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. That's Endo, the Vapors. Oh, oh, oh. The Vapors. The Vapors, okay. The Vapors, you, yes. 1970s or 80s. No, I'm no, not singing. No no, I can't no. even fart in tune. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I won't put you on the spot anymore. Um, there you go. And Panov says, "What you what you been doing, Kaiseido? Ha <laughs> ha! Very good, Panos Kaus. A lovely pun. More puns, please, in the comments if you can. Uh, follow us on YouTube if you're listening live. But if you're listening later as a podcast, uh, how you doing? You know, good morning, good evening, uh, good afternoon, whoever you are, wherever you are." This is Carpon Podcast, and Doug is here. Doug, um, yeah, other things from the Burnley match. I mean, people's general man of the match was Harvey Elliott uh, off the bench with two assists 
uh, one officially, um, but two because I'm going to count it. Um, but there were several marvelous performances. I thought. Um, I thought Luis Diaz quietly had a marvelous game. Mm. Darwin Nunez very loudly had another marvelous game. Diogo Jota got another goal, huge goal for us, and. There were several great performances. So apart from Endo, who you've already mentioned, um, do you want to talk about any of them? Do you want to talk about, um, you know, I don't know. Who do you want to talk about from that match? Do you want to talk about Elliot? I don't know. Anybody? Uh, oh, yeah, I think uh, uh, Kwanza. I mean, another player that's slotted into the, the side. He, he looks like he's been playing for Liverpool for about three, four or five years. He has slotted in really, really well. And he's only twenty. He is going to be. He he's he's still got a a lot to learn, but he's still a very very uh, good player, and he, he he will be. Um, Harvey Elliott. I keep saying this. I think his impact off the bench this season has been nothing short but sensational. Whenever he's came off the bench, he always seems to either get an assist or, or get a goal. Um, I've been very very impressed with with, with Harvey Elliott, and I know. I know there'll be a few people that probably say, "Yeah, Harvey Elliott's probably not a starter." I can, I can kind of, I can kind of see that. But impact off the bench, he's a, he's fresh, he's he's a really, really good, uh, good player. There were so many good performances over, over the the spell of that game. I do have to give a shout out though. We all know how much Kelleher has been sort of criticised this season um, as well. But I thought one save in particular, I think it was from David Datro Fofana. Uh, and obviously, Odebert did have the the, the shot that, that that went wide, but he made two, three, four very good saves at the weekend. Uh, it was. He, it, he came out it, really it, early. Sorry, well. sorry. It was Datra Fafana twice, wasn't it? And yeah. And Amrawi, I preferred that one. The first one after mm. like seven minutes. Remember when you know he, yeah. he he had a wonderful first touch, the Burnley player to take him past Virgil, and then with the left foot. He closed down all the angles so brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, Alice carry on, but you're, it's a brilliant call because Keller was magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think a lot of a lot has been said about uh, obviously Kelleher's sort of uh, sort of future at the uh, at the club. People probably expect him to probably move on in the in the summer. And like, I do feel for him. I, I do think that he should be getting first team football. Um, I have seen a lot of people, especially um, Irish people, saying. That uh, Kelleher should look for a, a move in the in the summer, but I think having him as a number two to Allison has been very very good. I think this season, yes, he has he has had his critics, but against Burnley, I think people kind of see what the goalkeeper he is, and I think as well as as you were mentioned, Am Am Rooney or Am Zuni, whatever you want to call him. Um, he actually narrowed the angle really, really quickly. He came out very, very big and strong. Like I said, Allison-esque. Um, basically, you're not getting past me. And, you know, that was a big, big save um, as well inside seven minutes. And then the, the one from Fofana is, is, is very, very good. And I think as well, the one Fofana missed to put past the post, again, he's he has sort of came out. He is given a bit of space to that sort of that left-hand side. But again, he, he, he narrows the angle for for Fofana not to not to score. I thought Kelleher had a very very good game um, the other day, and you know I think as well his last Premier League game was Fulham, and we all know he did make a lot of mistakes in in that game. But against Burnley, 
I thought he was back to his very, very best. And that can only put him in, in good stead ahead of the Carabao Cup final uh, next Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's it. I mean, that, he really took his chance. And he's been rusty this season. I mean, his his save percentage is, is 60%. Uh, in four matches, I believe he's played in the Premier League. Um, he's faced 10 shots anyway, and he saved six of them. So that's pretty good. Um, Alison Becker, obviously, has got a much larger, um, uh, what do they call it, like a data pool or whatever, because he's faced 73 shots on target with 75.3% save percentage. So you can see the difference, 75% for Alison and 60 for Cueve, he's found it tough when he has come in this season, but he's got a bit of rhythm now because he's played more regularly. And that performance, you're right, going to the end of the month, only two weeks away from a from the final as we're recording this. And it's going to really help because presumably Klopp's going to play Cueve uh, in the final. So that's a very good call. Yeah, Cuevin was absolutely magnificent. Um, Harvey Elliott. Um, I do want to talk about Nigel because I, I want to know. I want to know how you feel about him. I mean, he's he's, tw- he's twenty years old. He's he's played God knows how many games now, a hundred or something for Liverpool. He's played tons of games for us, and he's getting better and better and better. Um, his weaknesses are getting stronger and stronger at the same time. Like the obvious weaknesses defensively and, and positionally and making the right decisions he's getting better and better at it and it's just it's beautiful to see like we've got we keep him at the club imagine in like five years he's gonna be he's gonna be a world beater isn't he well i have to say when he was coming on the weekend i was i was not the most enthused shall we say I just thought he's he lacks a little bit of pace and a little bit of positional sense at times, but he came on and was absolutely magnificent. He, he if if we can, Arsenal really wasn't the game for him, unfortunately, and we got an injury, and it really wasn't the game for him. He um he's a good player once he can, if he can get a lot of the ball and get the ball wide, he's got a very good left foot on him. You know, he's just but he tends to get lost in a positional sense sometimes if he if he if he finds his positional sense about about when to when to push forward and when not to be leaving space in behind him particularly when Trent is playing i thought we looked an awful lot stronger uh when we were playing say Connor Bradley at right back and and not Trent because Trent Trent i i, I really think Trent needs to be pushed forward into midfield permanently because we tend sometimes when people are pushing forward to be leaving too many gaps in behind. And we got caught a couple of times. Like Martinelli had a field day. Every time the ball went down, I got a, t- I got a tweet from a friend of mine who's, and there's a couple of other friends, mutual friends who are Arsenal fans. And one of them was um, Havertz had the Liverpool defence in his pocket. I didn't see Havertz doing anything. I thought Martinelli was a major problem for us. I thought and that's partly I, I, because we played an injured Trent, you know, like well, yes, yeah, we we did, but he's we've got to cover off that space. Mm. Like we, mm. we we can't keep mm. pushing Trent on and having somebody in front of him, and then 
there's 40 yards of space in behind. I love Trent. I think he's great, but I, it's just there has to come a time when he's got to be pushed forward permanently. And we've got to try and, like, if Bradley is going to keep playing the way he's playing and people are going to have to be more worried about him pushing on to them rather than us, one of our players getting caught halfway between right back and midfield and leaving 40 yards in behind and us getting caught with a simple ball over the top then after that. But yeah, um, Harvey needs to have a strong running player and a strong defensive player behind him, I think. I, I, I he, he hasn't really got... like It's already hitting the ball up into, into the corner when Mo Salah is there because he's, a, he's got pace. But pace is not definitely not Harvey's thing. He might even be better off dropping dropping off slightly more and playing as kind of as a number ten, as a more play, as a playmaker type player. Yeah, I've been than, saying that a while. Yeah, yeah. With, with with two players who are who are hard in midfield, you yeah. know, like like McAllister gets stuck in and Endo and and Curtis Jones, for example. You know, they were all on the pitch. Curtis moved to right back, of course. But that gave Harvey Elliott the protection. I totally agree. Compared to you know other, where it's, if it's just McAllister and I don't know someone else, but like I don't know, we're too far away. Trent does. Trent doesn't. He's not cutting it defensively this season. Um, but it, on the positive side, though, Nigel of Harvey Elliott, I mean, some some great stats for you here from FBref.com. Um, he takes more shots per 90 on average, 2.75, than any other midfielder in Europe, according or he's in the top 1% of all midfielders in Europe, according to fbref.com, and he's in the 80th percentile or more in the following metrics, in assists, expected assists, non-penalty expected goals, and plus expected assists non-penalty ones um shot creating actions progressive passes progressive carries so carrying the ball 10 yards forward towards the goal um he's in the 96th percentile for that and the 95th for progressive passes which is passing it forward 10 yards or more touches in the uh, attacking penalty area he's in the 95th percentile and progressive passes received in the you know so he's in dangerous positions. He's in the 19th percentile. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different metrics where he's in the 80th percentile and the 99th percentile. And that's quite extraordinary for, for someone who's who's 20. It's it's those, mad. those are the stats, those are the stats of a playmaking midfield player, not a wide left, a wide right. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he hasn't got he hasn't got the pace to do that. But when he gets the ball cut down on his feet and cutting in on people, where he can open them up with his left foot, like the two crosses for the for the goals, um, he was he was absolutely brilliant. You know, to, to give two great great balls, and how they've not given him an assist for the, an assist for the first goal is wrong, because that yeah. that's definitely his assist. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just stupid how they how they count it, isn't it? Um, there you go. Um, uh, hang on, give me a moment. Amdouni is his name. I got, I said Amrawi before. I was getting him confused with a French celebrity. Forgive me. Um, Amdouni, Zeki Amdouni was the guy. You had it much better than me, Doug, the, the pronunciation of, of that guy's name. But, Doug, um, 
uh, other news outside of the Bernie Mets. Moving on, moving forward. Um, some things I'll give you an op some options to talk about. Um, the the new manager has a couple of people he might consider who are currently out on loan. I mean, there are there are many out on loan, and maybe there are many more that he would consider. But two that I want to that have come to my attention in the last few days is Seth Vandenberg and Tyler Morton. And apparently Seth Vandenberg, what was the stat? He's got he's got the most duels won in Europe or something like that. Most tackles won in Europe and, yeah, and Virgil van Dijk is second or something. I've seen, I seen something about that, actually. Um, I'll, I'll try I and find I... it. Yeah, sorry, um... sorry. So Seth Vandenberg is one of them and, and Tyler Morton is another one because Tyler Morton, uh, he places third amongst all players under 21 in all of the European leagues when it comes to being the most press resistant. So mm -hmm. Tyler Morton is 86.9% ball retention uh, and only Warren Zaire Emery, the PSG prodigy, has has better ball retention under pressure with with just 0.2 percent more so tyler morton or set vandenberg do they have a future at liverpool under the new manager so you can talk about that or you can talk about the new manager let's say for example it's it's chabby alonso because that's what everybody wants you can talk about leverkusen beating bayern munich the other day because i know you watched that one so you yes. go talk about any of it all of it uh, I will. I will just uh, rebel in Leverkusen beating Bayern Munich three 0 because that was a statement result. Um, you know, Leverkusen have been. I think a lot of people have sort of sort of questioned sort of their uh, ability to sort of you know stay top, and I think if we have to be honest, that was a very good game for them. Uh, Bayern Munich are way too open under uh, Thomas Tuchel. Like the the football yes. that Thomas Tuchel plays is not very not very uh, pleasing on the eye. And I think as well, I really like what the fullbacks have been doing. Grimaldo and, and Frimpong, both of them are, are, are really really good. And I think as well, you know, Grimaldo has been one of the signs of the the summer um, for Leverkusen. He, he he's been absolutely outstanding, but. One of the things I did want to, to, to say is that I think if you look at what Alonso plays, he likes to play a back three and then obviously have sort of wing backs, um, you know, playing on onto them. And then obviously it's, the, you know, the, the, the front three. I love Florian Burks and he's a fantastic, fantastic player as well. Brilliant. But the more the game went on, the more I always felt that the next goal was going to be Leverkusen's because Harry Kane, I think that's one of his worst performances in a Bayern shirt. He never got a sniff, whole game. Whole game, never got a sniff. I think the only shot or shots that they had was, I think, from Musiala. I think one of them was from uh, Joshua Kimmich. Um, as well. And plus, if you have Eric Dyer at the, uh, at the back, uh, then you're always struggling. Uh, and I, I have to be honest, I'm not a big uh, Dyer to Upper Meccano um, fan. Either, and I think I think if you look at what what uh, what happened as well, Bayern were way too open at the at the back, um, and you look at the third goal as well. I mean, Neuer's gone up, but it's it's the composure that Frimpong has that he, he you know basically Open Meccano tries to catch him, tries to catch him, 
doesn't catch him. And then, you know, Frimpon has as easy test to put in, into an empty net. I thought Bayer Leverkusen were absolutely fantastic. And, you know, they win their next two games. They are in a very, very strong position because I don't think Bayern Munich are clawing five points back on Leverkusen uh, at this stage in the season. I just don't see it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I hope not. I mean, as Gary Richards says in the chat, Kane will win FA. Um, let's hope mm. so, just because, just, just for the comedy uh, of that, that would be pretty <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Kev O'Sullivan's in the chat. Nice to have you with us, Kev. He says about Harvey Elliott, he says, Harvey coming on with 30 to go versus tiring players is pure gold. Yes, it is. Yep. He's watching the games. He's seeing the spaces. And when he comes on, he has a picture already about how to affect these games. That's a brilliant comment, Kev. I totally agree. And also, Kev O'Sullivan says, Sepp Vandenberg is one of the best defenders in the Bundesliga and also in the top five for speed. The talk is that Ajax are looking at him and he wants a permanent home. Interesting, interesting stuff. Mm. Nigel, if Chabi Alonso comes in, obviously systems can change and he could he could completely ditch the back three given... Uh, Liverpool's personnel. I mean, you know, he, he, he could have a completely different vision in terms of system for Liverpool, like Klopp did when he came in. He went from 4-2-3-1 to the 4-3-3, etc. But system aside, if if he keeps three at the back, we're going to need at least one more centre-back, probably two. And Sepp Vandenberg, I mean, if he's, if he's ripping up trees in the Bundesliga, why... I mean, why not him? Or would you would you would you rather like a big name come in, Nigel? How would you feel about that? I don't, I don't mind if if they're capable of coming in and playing. Like, what what big name have we got at centre back alongside Virgil? We've got a free transfer from Schalke up to the last for the last few years. He's currently injured. We've got a young localish guy. Uh, 20 years old who played in Division 1 or in, in League 1 last season and we've got like uh, a French guy who's come in from basically nowhere uh, as a much younger man and he's speaking of tearing up trees why not? Sepp Vandenberg is our player he's on loan there uh, so if, if our lads think he's capable of doing something I'm sure he's been well watched Um. That, that's going to be up to whoever comes in. I'm I'm really hoping it's going to be Javi. I really yeah, am. Um, I think everyone very, needs at this stage, aren't they? I mean, you know, the other, you know, outside outside um outside shots, you know, people like Unai Emery, you know, I, I meant heard mention on other podcasts. I mean, he's a great manager, Unai. I really think he's a brilliant manager, but it's not the right fit. You you know, our our players are used to playing um, a particular way. Of course, it would change as well with Chabi Alonso, who likes a lot more possession, but he's also more or less an attacking manager and he likes flair and he appreciates uh, uh, style a little bit more than Unai Emery. He's very much about quick movements between the players, the, the passes and the, and the, how they how they build moves in a very almost like robotic way. Um, a little bit less freedom. I think. Um, I mean, Seth Vandenberg is only—he's only just turned twenty-two. So you think that he's—he's he's beginning to to mature. He was twenty-two and fifty-four days old because he was born on December the twentieth, two thousand and one. God, I feel old. 
but he's in the 94th percentile for blocks among central defenders in Europe and the 98th percentile for aerials one. And that was the stat that I was trying to think of. It's aerials one. He's absolutely dominant in the air. Um, not in the top two in Europe, uh, which is the stat that I heard. According to fbref.com, he's in the 98th percentile. So he's in the top 2% rather than the top two, which is still pretty damned impressive for a 22-year-old. But you're really and I just press a, a comment there that uh, Panoff had mm-hmm. on, in the chat there about about Trent. Would I sell him? No. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did, hang on. Whoa, let's get to that Panoff. comment. People are saying Trent should be sold. Would you agree with that? Personally, I no. wouldn't. Oh, God, no. No, but go on, Nigel. Yes, no, no, no. absolutely no, 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 definitely not. But let's just go for the sake of Jobby Alonso comes in and we're suddenly, suddenly playing three at the back. That wing-back role with Trent in it becomes an entirely different proposition. Or with Conor Bradley, for that matter. I would play Bradley, though, and I've moved Trent to midfield. Yeah. Well, then, you, you, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. Then you've got kind of three across the middle with the two outside guys then. You know, yeah. I, I think it probably would, would suit Trent better. I, I think to be moved up. Too. Because we've got, we've got great personnel there. You mean, you know, you could have Endo holding uh, with, uh, for example, Curtis Jones and Trent. Um, you've got McAllister, you've got Soboslai. We still need another number six. We really do. Unless Bychetic comes back and, and regains the, the brilliant form he had before the injury. Time will tell on that. He probably needs time. I'd still bring another one in. As far as Panos' comment goes, definitely not. Definitely not. Absolutely not. Panov, when you say people are saying that Trent should be sold, I mean, who are these people? Are they drunk? Uh, please, uh, please let us know who 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 said that. Was it was it your auntie after after a quart of vodka uh, on a Saturday night? Because uh, it, it could well have been. Uh, and in in which case, don't listen to her. Don't listen to her. Ask her today when she's sober. Um. Kevin Sullivan says Tyler Morton reminds me of a Fulham type player. Will have a good career, but not a top, uh, not a not at a top club, uh, which is which is fair enough. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. You never know. Maybe this is the number six. We need someone like Tyler Morton. Maybe he's already at the club. Because the thing is, Doug, that I, I, I mentioned this over the years. Copon's been going for almost seven years now. Wow, this is season six of Copon. And over the years, I've always had this thing with transfers, okay? And it's been proved to be correct time and time again. There are idiots in this world, Doug. A lot of them are at Manchester United, which is excellent. And they will pay 80 million for Anthony and, you know, 90 million for Anthony, excuse me, and 80 million for, like, you know, Dross, like, you know, Anthony Martial or whatever. And we spend big sometimes, but only on someone that we know is going to be a success. Darwin Nunez is one, and he's proving it. I mean, his his goals and assists. Uh, Gary Richards in the chat asked me what I what I thought of uh, of um, you know, asked me if I was aware of of um, Darwin Nunez's stats. I'm oh, sorry, just to go off on a bit of a tangent. I'll try and find that question. Um, 
hang on, what did, what did Gary say? He says, have you seen Starwin stats? He's been involved in 26 goals and assists this season. Yes, um, he. I have seen it. And he's on target for 20 goals and 20 assists if he keeps this up uh, before the end of the season, which is Thierry Henry numbers. It's something that I'm, I've mentioned before on Copon that he's got exactly the same goals plus assists per 90 minutes as Thierry Henry in the invincible season prime Thierry Henry so he's he's got those kind of numbers and he can actually do a lot more because he makes a lot more chances than Thierry Henry ever did but anyway that was a tangent or Darwin where was I going Doug what was I talking about uh oh yeah too much yeah, something something along the lines of like idiots at Man United. And you oh, know, like, thank you Anthony. very much. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Idiots, Man United. That's all you have to say. Um, there are idiots who will pay extraordinary amounts, especially since the Neymar transfer of two hundred and twenty million completely skewed the market. Philippe Coutinho, for example, one hundred and fifty million. Could you have got? Like, how many players could you have got with Felipe Coutinho's skill set? I would say tons. And you don't need to, well, not tons, but like there were at least 10 other midfielders you could have got in Europe that had very similar skill set. And the range in price would have been from like 15 million to 150 million. This disparity always exists. And this is why. Before, I was talking about the comparison between Endo and Caicedo and La Via. 64 million, 115 million and 15 million. You've got this, you've got the same kind of player. Um, This is a thing in the transfer market that we need to be, unless we're going to bring in an elite number one, the top of the pyramid, the tippy top of the diamond top of the pyramid, then there's this rung below where there are tons of tons of players and you just need to find them duck they're all out there so i don't know i i want whoever the next manager is to be frugal i want us to be sustainable i want us to continue to win things while all the other clubs don't know what it's like to win things in a fair manner <laughs> like we have we've been so blessed but transfer wise like what's this squad missing you know we, even though the transfer windows just shut would you have done anything i mean you know in january do you think we're still missing things i mean surely a number six right um uh, to to answer your your question obviously about january i i don't think we were going to ever strengthen in january i think our, our squad was was really really um set for the rest of the season um i think the only thing for me would probably be left back i think that costas is probably going to be moved on in the in the summer um which again is no is no criticism to to, to him I, I think he's another player that just needs to play um so i think i think he'll be on the way out so i think we'll need a, a left back and probably a center back in the in the summer um as well i still think we're lacking a creative midfielder someone who can sort of unlock the key to the to the door like just basically balls over the top i think we're just lacking a creative midfielder just some someone of of that ilk Uh, as far as number six i'm i'm pretty happy with endo i'm pretty happy with 
McAllister. And I think as well, if we do go out for a player, we won't be overspending like Chelsea have done with their, with their billion pounds spent on absolute dross. Uh, Manchester United spending 80 million quid for a Brazilian fidget spinner. You know, it's just... It's just one of the one of those as well. We're not the kind of club to overspend in the in the market. So I think whoever the new manager will come in, I think he will be spending very very wisely because we don't overspend for players, and I think that's what's made us very very good. And I think it's what sort of made Chelsea and Manchester United struggle. Um, you know that they're paying well over the odds for what I've just what I just literally said a minute ago, dross, absolute dross. So I I am very, very confident in our um sort of our, our next manager getting getting these things right and not overspending in the transfer market. Excellent stuff. Yeah, and you know, let's hope the new director of football is somebody intelligent and someone who can actually, you know, just sift through the the the, the sand and find those nuggets. Uh, of joy um nigel um the uh next game is brentford away tough one 12 30 kickoff tough, tough, tough. we're back at 30 again yeah back at 12 30 yeah, yeah our favorite uh kickoff time and uh, according to google brentford have a 19 percent chance of winning there's a 21 percent chance of a draw and Liverpool have a 60% chance of winning. Does that sound about right to you? Oh, just get out and play. I, I, don't, I don't listen to these stats. <laughs> okay. I, just, I have no interest in those whatsoever. Fair just, enough. you know, Klopp will say to the boys, we have 100% chance of winning. Get out there. Get out there and do it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just, just, just do it. I mean, have you seen anything of Brentford since Ivan Tony uh, came back? Because I, I've seen a bit of them, and and he's 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 a magic man. I love Ivan Tony. Yeah, he's a good player, but like, um, you imagine know, that uh, Thomas Frank is a very good manager. You know, he's he's turned Brentford into a very very solid unit, and um, it's going to be difficult. It ain't going to be easy. Um. It especially ain't going to be easy if we keep getting like I know we got the three goals the other day, but all three decisions sent to VAR and taken far too long. You know if that's going to that one of the lads that on the on the previous podcast I was talking about earlier, are we the only team that gets subjected to this this overly long uh, VAR reviews on everything? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've been we've been harshly treated, haven't we? According to ESPN, we've had four major decisions against us, um, which is uh, top of the league. I mean, a lot, a lot of clubs have had none, and a lot of clubs have just had one. And we've had four that have gone against us. According to ESPN, I would I would argue that there's probably a lot more. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's we, it's we've got to go out there. We've got to go out there with that us against them, backs to the wall attitude. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. get out there and put them away. Not wait on stuff to happen. Make things happen for our team, our lads. I hope, and the manager, will go out there. With, hopefully, with that attitude, and let let's not be waiting for stuff to happen. Let's not be waiting on mistakes. Let's go out there, grab them by the throat, and twist. Well, let's try that. Absolutely. Um. Although, uh, Doug, here's a bit of a worrying stat for you. Um. Since 1983. A 4-1 win at the old Griffin Park. 
Brentford have been through all manner of uh, roller coasters and um, they've got a new stadium, the Brentford Community Stadium. We've only ever played there twice before. The first match was a 3-3 draw and the last match we played on the 2nd of January 2023 was a 3-1 loss. Um, and that day, our team uh, was Alison, Virgil, Konate, Costas and Trent. In the in midfield, we had Thiago, Fabinho, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And up front, we had Harvey Elliott, Mohamed Salah and Darwin Nunez. So we weren't quite full strength and we're going to have a very different team on the weekend. But I'm a bit, I'm a little bit nervous, I've got to say. How are you feeling? Yeah, I am a little bit nervous. It's, uh, it is a bit of a banana scum. They, they seem to have the... Uh better the upper hand when they play us at uh, the GTEC. Uh it's a very tough place to go. Um I know it, I know it's not been as tough this season. Uh you know, I think Brentford have had a lot of injuries. They've had a, they've obviously had the Evan Tony um suspension to to deal with as well. And I think as well, Emblemo's been a big, big miss um since AFCON. I think Emblemo uh I think he could potentially be back, which is not not to the the news we want to hear, because uh, he always seems to play well against us. Vista seems to play well against us as uh, as well. But um, I watched them against City, and the one thing as well you have to say from them is that they do attack. So I do think there is space to get in behind them um, uh, as well. Uh, and you know, if Mopi can score against City, then you know he can score against anybody. So. That's that's my only sort of um, scary thing that about the whole thing against uh, against Brentford is that if we're too complacent, they they could take a, take advantage. And as we all know, twelve thirty kickoffs, which I think we've been pretty good in this season. I don't think we've actually uh, touched wood uh, lost the game. Uh, yeah, in, the, in these twelve thirty kickoffs. Wow. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think if if we play at our own game. Um, and as I said, focused on ourselves. Um, but it's not going to be an easy game. Um, I think we can go there and and get get the win um, as well. Because I don't, th- as I said, I don't think Brentford are as good as they were last season. But again, there's been circumstances out with their you know control. They've had a few injuries. You know, Embuemo, Vissa have, have been both missing, obviously because of Afcon. They've obviously had Tony missing um, as well. So, and they have a lot of injuries. They have a lot of injuries um, as well, do Brentford. And I think the one thing as well, their keeper Flecken, I know he had a good game against Manchester City, um, where I think he made about eight or nine saves. I think it was a Premier League record. Brentford are not defensively astounded this season. So I think there is space to get in behind. So going to be a very interesting game. I'm still confident of going, going there and, and getting the win. I think if we were to get the win there, then it, it is a big, big statement because, you know, to go five points before City play, I think they play Chelsea on Saturday tea time, I think, um, as well, would be massive. It would be massive. Absolutely. Um, that's beautifully said. Uh and yeah, I don't know. We've got to wrap it up there because we've been going for an hour, and I've got uh, got some babysitting to do over there. So I'm going to go and help her, help her Ruben's mum out. And um, thank you, everybody. Thank you in the chat. Yeah, see you soon. You'll never walk alone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>